Welcome to episode number 28 of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where Christina and I discuss how to stay on track while traveling. Summertime is here, restrictions are lifting, and people are booking lots and lots of travel and vacations. So it's time to talk about how to be successful with your training and nutrition while you're on the go. We cover determining what success means to you depending on the trip, things that you can pack to keep prepared to keep nutrition on track, your options for training while traveling, how to get food and supplements through TSA, and so, so much more. As always, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, all we ask is that you share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker who would benefit from it. One share can go a really long way and supports our mission to help as many people as possible to live a healthier, sustainable lifestyle. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode, number 28, How to Stay on Track While Traveling. and welcome back to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, Marissa Roy. And in today's episode, we're going to discuss how to stay on track with traveling. So there are, I think with the summer coming up and the CDC kind of lifting their restrictions for traveling, I think a lot more people are going to be traveling and going to see family, maybe that they haven't seen in a long time. So Marissa and I thought that this would be a really good topic to discuss now before we really get into the middle of the summer. Oh yeah, I'm super excited. Personally, this is great timing too because I actually have travel coming up as well. Um, When this episode airs, and it won't be next week, but it'll be the week after, so June 8th, I believe. So if today's June 8th, Hey, it's a couple weeks in the past right now, so we're time traveling. No, but in all seriousness, I will be in the middle of a vacation myself uh, when this episode airs. And so this is really good timing to talk about all of this, not only as information for you guys, but as reminders to myself. So I'm super excited to dive in and we actually have a lot to cover. So why don't you just kick us off and get us going? Yeah, definitely. So I think the first thing to do is before you go on your trip is kind of set the expectations and really think about what would define success on this trip and kind of like what is your context? Are you cutting? Are you maintaining? Are you bulking? And I think that Marissa and I have talked about this a lot, but if you're cutting, typically you need to be a little bit more strict with your decisions and you need to probably stay a little bit more on track. If you're maintaining your bulking, you typically have a little bit more lenience and you can um, maybe go off a little bit more on off plan. And so I think it, it's important to think about, um, and I think sometimes I do have clients who have been really, really adherent with their macros and their guidelines that when they tell me like, hey, what should I do on on traveling? And I'll be like, don't bring your scale. Like I want you to eat out. I want you to intuitively eat. Like I don't really want you to worry about tracking, um, you know, to the gram. I want you to enjoy your vacation. So I think it, it also depends if you have a coach to talk with them and see maybe if they can give you some guidelines as well. But really to to set what success looks like for you on this trip. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just making sure that you're setting realistic expectations for that trip as well. So uh, the the type of trip can also govern that. So not only what your context is, so are you cutting, are you bulking, etc. But what kind of a trip is this? Is this a vacation that you've been looking forward to for a really long time? What kind of vacation? Is it a vacation where you just lay out on the beach for a week? Or is it a vacation where you are doing a bunch of sites? seeing? Or is it a foodie vacation? Did you plan this vacation around a bunch of different restaurants and and places with food that you want to try? If that's the case, then it's a totally different scenario, right? And so I think looking into, okay, well, what are we actually doing on this trip? How long is the trip? And, And what all goes into it. So um, kind of thinking, you know, is it a weekend trip versus a week long trip? Is it a vacation? Or is it more of like work travel or something just to visit your family? Like how much are you trying to unplug and unwind on this trip? How much does food play into that? Is there an event that this trip is centered around? Is it a controlled environment where you have a kitchen? Or is it something where you're, you know, not really able to control your food sources or you're eating out all the time? So those are all questions to ask yourself. I know that that was a lot, but it's really important to just look into the context. This is where a coach does come into play because I know for me personally, if I'm going on a trip, I'm having this discussion a week, two weeks, three weeks in advance. And I'm saying, hey, I have this trip. Usually, so like for me in the past year, year and a half, two years, the main trips have just been going down to Aaron's family uh, for a long weekend or sometimes a full week. And like in that circumstance, I don't even tell my coach anymore when I'm going down because we have such a good routine and like their family knows kind of like what our dietary needs are when we're going to be training when we're there. Like we have all that kind of laid out. But the first couple of times it did take that expectation setting and like getting better at managing my diet and my training when I was traveling. Um, But then like other trips, for example, the one I'll be on when this airs is a true vacation. Like I am going to make sure that I'm putting work completely away for that trip. I'm going to make sure that I'm, you know, mindful with nutrition, but I would like to just relax about it a little bit more. Um, And it's going to be a completely different mindset going into it rather than, you know, a quick little long weekend trip with family. Yeah. So I think that's important to think about is I feel like when I go and visit my family, I feel more comfortable being strict with my food and they know my lifestyle. So it's not a huge deal for me to be like, Hey, I need to spend a few hours to go to the gym or, um, you know, can you grab a few staples for me? So I I don't feel like that's an excuse to go off track, but if I was going to like visit my friends and I haven't seen them in a while and I'm in a new city and I want to explore, that might look a little bit more different. So again, I think it's setting the the context of the trip as well, because that plays a big role into your actions. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the main things with this is, is regardless of the context, it's going to come down to what is the urgency of your goal? You know, is it something that you absolutely need to happen, like whether it's weight loss or a contest prep, for example, you know, there's no excuses on contest prep, right? So no amount of travel, no type of travel is going to count as an excuse for that if the stage is your goal. However, you know, if you're 
pursuing more of a lifestyle goal or, you know, you're doing a fat loss phase on your own uh, and it is really important to you still, you have to weigh the pros and cons of that. So ultimately, travel never has to be an excuse. Um, there is always a way, you know, if, if there's a will, there's a way, but, but in all seriousness, you know, you can make it work no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going. It's just a matter of weighing out those pros and cons and what is worth it to you and what you're really trying to get out of that trip. Because if the trip is not food centric, has nothing to do with what you're eating, um, which is really uncommon for the most part, uh, then, you know, it's, it's important to, you know, stay on track with then, then it might be easier. But if it's more so like a social trip, like Christina said, or food centered trip or vacation where you really want that mental release, uh, then you have to weigh the pros and cons. Is it worth it for me to try to stay hundred percent on track or do I need to make some adjustments here so that my approach going in is realistic. The reason why that's important is because you don't want to go in and set yourself up for failure. Because if you go into a trip that say like, let's say you're going to New York City to go on a foodie trip, like you're going to Levain Bakery, you're going to all of the sweet shops, all of the pizza places, whatever. And you go in saying, I'm cutting and these are my macros and I'm going to make this work. You are absolutely going to be set up for failure. No matter, like there is a 99% chance that that is not going to work. And so, you know, you might need to go into that with different expectations so that you can walk away feeling successful. Maybe you still ate more than you otherwise would have on a cut, but it's important to define, okay, success on this trip is not taking too many steps backwards. Success on this trip is keeping my weight the same instead of coming back 10 pounds bloated, you know, and and defining realistic success. Yeah. And so you brought up a really good point. And that was a point that I was going to touch on was if you have this expectation of, okay, I am going to allow myself some freedom when it comes to food, don't expect to have come back and lost five pounds. I mean, sometimes that happens, but sometimes having that expectation that, okay, if I come home, I might be bloated. I might be up on the scale and I know that my actions like led to this consequence, but it's, it's not a negative thing. It's just kind of like I, I'm allowing myself to maybe take a step back, but I'm going to enjoy this trip because I think The other end of the scale is like if you are so, so, so diligent and you're to the point where you're like maybe not fun to be around because you're like so worried about your nutrition and you're spending three hours in the gym that you're not able to like hang out with everyone, then that's another kind of, I don't know, setback or I don't know the right word that I'm looking for, but um, I feel like that is, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it just detracts from your experience. It detracts from the other people around you's experience of that trip, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I... Sorry, go go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just, you know, and we've talked about this in a couple episodes ago. It's again, it's trying to find that balance between going crazy and then implementing some sort of discipline. Mm-hmm. And and to go back to travel not being an excuse, you know, ultimately, like you can give yourself a pass to be more relaxed and whatnot, but that doesn't mean that every time you travel, 
is an excuse to go ham, right? And so this is where we're really trying to implement that moderation, exercising some level of discipline, or in previous episodes, we've mentioned the analogy of a dial. So turning our dial just back a little bit so that we're not, you know, stressing so hard over food or diet. We're able to enjoy ourselves, but we're not, you know, like just throwing it all out the window. And, and so there, it's not an excuse to, you know, just go crazy, go ham, eat everything under the sun, because, you know, I think one of the mindsets that most people tend to perpetuate on, on trips and travel is, oh, well, I got to get it all in before I get home because, you know, it's back to the plan when I get home. But, but in all reality, you know, ultimately, if you are eating yourself sick, that is also detracting away from your experience of the situation. I don't know a lot of people who like genuinely feel really happy and more happy than they feel guilt when they kind of get themselves to that point. So implementing moderation is actually, in my opinion, one of the ways to better enjoy an experience around food. I don't know if you agree or disagree. And so I think, again, it's, If you go on maybe one to two vacations a year, I think that's very different than someone who is maybe like a salesperson or they travel like constantly with their work. Because again, it's if you are constantly traveling and you fall off track every single time you travel, well, then uh, something needs to change and you're not going to see progress. So, you know, what can we do when you're on those trips to make sure that you are continuing to make progress? Yeah, for sure. And I think. I mean, that, that definitely speaks to just like, what is, what is this travel entailing? Um, especially I have clients who, you know, maybe they got deployed. I had one that got deployed for 45 days, uh, the other week. And so she's adjusting to her new situation, her new schedule there. But the question that always comes up when I'm talking to clients about this is like, Hey, like, should we put things on pause or like, should I, should we keep going? Should I keep checking in? And more often than not, unless like they're literally going to have no internet for however long, uh, the answer is let's try to keep going because ultimately we're not getting anything out of this coaching experience if we just stop when things get hard and then start up again when things are easy again, because then you're not learning how to be adaptable to your situation. And so a lot of times some of the most rewarding experiences with clients is actually showing them that they can make adjustments and still make movement forward, even if it's maybe slower or just not as much as they would have liked while they're in these not ideal situations where maybe they can't control all the food that they have access to. Maybe they don't have a gym or don't have the gym that they want to train at. And those are some of the most rewarding experiences because then you realize, hey, like this doesn't have to be an excuse. Yeah. So maybe this is a good transition to start talking about some things that you can do to have a more successful trip. Yeah, for sure. Start us off. Yeah. So the first thing that kind of comes to mind for me is if you are in a position where you're able to control your environment, for example, like you're able to choose the location where you decide to go. If you're traveling for work, can you choose an Airbnb versus a hotel or if you are going on vacation like is there any way that you can find a hotel that has a gym or close to a gym or something like that and the other thing that's really big is trying to find a place with a full kitchen that way it's easy to cook and store your meals I think that that can play just a huge huge role in being able to stay on track 
Yeah, I think that's a great one. And that's actually something that Aaron and I really strongly considered when we were planning our trip down to Florida that I will again be on while this airs. But um, essentially, we were looking at Airbnbs and we were trying to see, okay, well, weighing out this one costs this much, but it also has a full size fridge. Oh, and it has a grill outdoors and it has, you know, a full stove or a gas stove rather than like a little cooktop, uh, like a plug in cooktop. And so we were weighing out like those things first and foremost, even though we don't plan on like cooking at home for every single meal, but we wanted to have that convenience to be able to say, you know, have breakfast every morning that we know will set us up for more success, which we will get into. But, um, and then, you know, eating the other meals of the day out, maybe we want to pack up and take home our leftovers instead of trying to just shove it down our throats every time we sit down to eat. Right. And so having that full fridge is a really good luxury to have in that situation. So that was something that we actually like strongly strongly considered when we were uh, booking our our airbnbs (laughs) yeah and the other thing you can do too is if you are staying in a hotel and you aren't sure if they have a fridge or a microwave you can always call and ask to have that as an accommodation and they normally don't charge you for that but that's something that makes it so so easy if you're traveling to just be able to put some food in the fridge or if you come back from dinner to be able to store it so that can be a big difference too Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so to talk a little bit more about food, I think uh, would be a good transition here is, okay, well, what kinds of foods do I pack? How do I pack them? You know, what what's going to be good to put in the fridge? What should I like, should I go to the grocery store? Um, and so just kind of staying on track with food in general. So I think the best way to do this is just with, with our experiences and what we do when we travel. And so the main thing that I really try to emphasize with myself and with my clients is water and protein. Uh, and if nothing else, get those two things in because they're going to help to modulate your appetite and make sure that you're not, you know, just over overrunning all of your hunger cues because proper water intake helps to manage appetite, proper protein intake keeps you full. So you're less likely to make ravenous, you know, eyes bigger than stomach decisions when you are going out to eat. The water is also really going to help with digestion as well and, and bloating if you did fly. Or some people just get stressed in general. And I know that me personally, my digestion gets thrown out of whack whenever I travel. Yeah, me too. And I think it really, a lot of it does come down to some, you know, sometimes when we're going to travel, we're eating a lot of foods that we're not used to eating or we're trying new things. Or even if it's like, you know, just ordering out similar stuff that we would normally cook it's still prepared differently. It's still prepared by different people. It might have different oils on it. It might have like a different preparation method. And all of that variability does contribute to like some amount of digestion, not issues or upset, but just like it's different. Yeah. So the other thing you can do is maybe if you are not sticking to your exact macros, Maybe just having a calorie goal. So instead of being like, oh, I have to have this many carbs, this many fats, this many proteins, just making sure you stay within your calorie limit. So again, that is the foundation for just the base moving forward with your nutrition. So I think if you're still able to hit that, and it's only for a couple days, maybe a week at most, like that's really not going to hinder you that much. So I think that's another goal that you can try to hit. Oh yeah, for sure. And I will 
often do that for my clients. Like when they're going off on a weekend trip or they're going for a longer trip, I'll actually change the boxes on their Excel so that they don't read carb, fat, protein anymore because I don't want them to look at that and feel discouraged if, you know, some things are off. Even if we set the expectation to be, hey, hit your calories. If you look at the sheet and you see that your macros were off, even though you hit your calories, that might be, you know, kind of uh, confusing or discouraging. And so this kind of, this also gets into the question of like, should you pay attention to macros or calories? Ultimately, to answer that really quickly, if you're normally, if you're hitting your macros, then you are hitting your calories because carbs and protein are four calories per gram and fat is nine. So if you do the math out, you will be consistent. The reason why it's not consistent on apps like MyFitnessPal is because of grounding and, and issues with labels on and the FDA allows for like five to 10% rounding. And then that just gets messy. And then all that error adds up. But then if you set yourself a calorie goal, um, essentially, you know, maybe it's a little bit off because, you know, there is that issue with rounding and labels and that sort of thing. But ultimately, you know, when you set that calorie goal, you're still keeping yourself accountable. And that's what I like to, to tell clients when I am making that change for them. It's like, yes, okay, there is that inherent error in switching to a calorie target. But we're accepting that and realizing, you know, it could be off by above or below. And ultimately, if we set this target and we stay within it, we're still much, much, much closer to being consistent than we otherwise would have been if we had just tossed it out altogether. And so that I think is the most important thing is that we're tracking something, not nothing. And we are still staying accountable to a realistic target that makes it easier for us to stay on track. Yeah. So bringing it back to some of the foods that you can pack to be successful, again, depends on the level of adherence that you want. If you are someone on prep, you are more than likely going to bring a majority of your meals or a majority of your food. If you're someone who's cutting, you might want to bring along some things that are going to make it easier for you to hit your macro goal. So for me personally, I like to I like to bring things that are going to allow me to easily hit my macros without me having to do this like macro puzzle at the end of the night. So for example, I will bring pure protein sources like protein powder. Um, I might bring packs of tuna. I might bring like ground turkey or something like that. And then same thing for carbs. I want like rice cakes, maybe rice packets, Things like oatmeal, cream of rice, things that, again, are going to allow me to easily hit my carbs, fats, and proteins. And for fat sources, I might bring packets of peanut butter. I might bring um, almonds or things like that. So uh, the other thing that's really good, too, is I, I, I feel like I've talked about this before, but I'm a mom. And I will bring snacks in my purse like everywhere I go. So I always have like protein bars and like so my husband always makes fun of me because he'll be like, do you have any snacks in your purse? And I'm like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> like I always have protein bars. I always have something just because I feel like I eat a lot more. I eat more consistent. No, not I eat constant, like constantly compared to friends and family. Like they, I feel like they can eat like every like five or six hours where I'm like, oh, we ate two hours ago. I'm hungry again. <laughs> so I always have something that allows me to make sure I'm hitting my protein and, and hitting my goals. And I don't have this like huge amount of macros to hit at the end of the day. So those are some things that are easy to track. 
They're easy to fly with. They're easy to travel just if you're driving. Um, but we'll get into like TSA and flying and what you should do for like best practices. Yeah, you really scared me for a second because you were like, I'm a mom. And then you paused for like five seconds. And I was like, <laughs> um, is there something that you're not telling me? Because I was not aware that you had a child. <laughs> and then you went off. <laughs> That would be an awful way to tell you on a podcast. <laughs> Just breaking the news. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I love that. And um, just having like easy things like protein bars. I know personally for me uh, with food, every time I travel, even if it's something like super easy, like a weekend trip, but especially long trips, I'll bring um, like a, what I'll do is I'll use Ziploc bags. So even if your protein comes in like a tub, I'll take the scooper and I'll scoop like, basically, if I needed two scoops per day or more to be able to hit my protein targets, I would just do the number of days times like two. So if I'm traveling for five days, and I, you know, theoretically, worst case scenario, I need two scoops of protein per day to finish off my targets, then I would bring 10 scoops for myself. If I'm traveling with Aaron, that number goes up exponentially because he is a six foot three male with a very high protein target. <laughs> so we're just bringing it in a Ziploc bag though, because it takes up way less space because you can like get rid of all the air in that. And that goes for pretty much any food, even when, um, you know, if I'm bringing actual like meat sources, I'll actually put those in Ziploc bags too. So for something like a road trip, um, where I might have a fridge at a hotel or at an Airbnb and I, maybe I'm, you know, a little bit more serious about my diet or I just have, sometimes I'll just have leftover meal prep that I don't want to go bad in the fridge. So I'll actually just throw it in a Ziploc bag and bring it along with me and just kind of eat it when I need protein and those like so if you have a small cooler and for me I have a cooler that's maybe like a foot and a half long if that and it, you know it's it's not very big so putting a full Tupperware that's half full of chicken is just gonna take up a bunch of unnecessary space so the Ziploc bag thing is super super helpful for traveling um, I know that a lot of competitors you'll see that so they'll have like their their, zip, their meals in Ziploc bags individually portioned they'll say meal one day two or whatever um, for like shows and stuff but I mean you definitely don't need to go to those measures but sometimes when I have leftovers from meal prep and I don't want them to go bad I'll just throw them in bags and, and bring them along yeah, and the other thing about that is you don't have to worry about like washing out the meal prep containers or having them take up all this room so they travel really easily and then once you're done you can just throw it away. So it's not the most um I don't know, bio eco-friendly. Eco yeah, it's not the most eco-friendly, but it's it's really nice when you're traveling and if you're not doing that a lot. Yeah. And then the last thing that I'll do is I'll always bring my half gallon um, when I am traveling on a flight, that might be different. I might put an empty half gallon in like my, uh, my checked bag if I have one and if I have room in there. Recently, I just got a really nice suitcase that, um, a couple of my friends gifted me. Thank you guys if you're listening. Uh, that does allow me a good amount of room to bring that. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm flying and I have a really stuffed bag, I might not be able to do that. So if I am flying, I might you know, pick up a, a gallon jug or a couple gallon jugs when I get 
to wherever I'm going at the store and just let those sit out because those don't necessarily need to be refrigerated. And if I'm doing a road trip or a, you know, a, a closer distance trip, I will always, always bring my full half gallon with me. Even if I'm not drinking it on the road, just having that to fill up at any time or place is super helpful. And you can just kind of like leave it in the car. And like, if it, especially if it's like thermo protective, like it'll keep it cold, uh, super, super helpful to just stay on track with hydration. Yeah. I normally just stick a shaker bottle in one of my backpack, like kind of pocket. So it doesn't have to take up any room. So I'll do that when I'm traveling. Oh, that too. Yeah. I have the half gallon and I always have it like at least one shaker, usually two, like one for protein or just one extra. So normally what I do is if I'm flying and I get to um, TSA, I start chugging all my water to make sure I can finish it yep. and then I just <laughs> stick it. So that way I'm like making myself drink water and then I have an empty one so I can just put it right there and take it with me. So um, I guess I think what we should do is maybe just touch on flying before we go into training since it just seems... Yeah, like a better, sure. yeah. So a lot of people are reluctant to take food when they fly. They have this idea that TSA is going to confiscate all their food and throw it all away. But you actually can bring a lot of food. Like I was really surprised the first time I did it. I was super nervous. But you can pretty much bring anything you want that's not a liquid. So sometimes they'll get kind of weird about like oatmeal if you want, because I, I have flown, I literally have flown with oatmeal before in Tupperware. Um, and they're fine with it if it's like very thick consistency, but if it's really runny, they'll make you throw it away. But you can bring pretty much any food item. I always make sure that I freeze a majority of the food. So it kind of acts as ice packs. And so it keeps all the other food cold and then it just travels really nicely. You don't have to worry about it going bad. Um, I still always pack ice packs with me. So that's another thing too that you want to make sure that your ice packs are small and stay frozen when you're traveling because if they're too big and they um, get uh, they warm up and they become liquid, they will make you throw those out. And then the other thing that's kind of weird is sometimes they will make you throw out jars of peanut butter. Um, so I always bring little individual cups or what you can do is like, once you make it past TSA, you can always go to like Starbucks and, uh, or something or like a Panera. And sometimes they will have those little like peanut butter cups that you can just grab, um, a couple of those when you're traveling. So I always grab those just to have on hand. And then the other thing I do is Marissa said that she'll bring a giant bag of protein powder, but what I do, and if you are a, a customer of Core Nutritionals, if you go on, you can actually buy sample packets. So I always travel with sample packets. That way they're in like a sealable container and then I don't have to worry about measuring out all with a scooper. Um, I just have those and they're easy also to fly with if you wanna take like pre-workout or anything like that. So. Um, I think they're only like two bucks or something like that. So I always just go on every month and make sure I'm stocked up because they're so easy to travel with. Yeah. Yeah. Usually for the longer trips, we just do the, the bagged because like it's just so many freaking scoops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but especially if it was like a weekend trip, I know that like I have accumulated a lot of sample packs of like random protein powders too from the nutrition corners whenever I get my shipments. And so that is a really great way to just like save those for travel. And then that way you don't have to bring tubs of stuff. Uh, Cause like 
if you've ever tried to pack like your full, if you, especially if you take like a decent amount of supplements, if you've ever tried to pack your full supplement regimen, it is a pain in the ass. And I did that for my trip to New Mexico for visiting my dad over the winter. And it was like two weeks worth of my daily vitamins. And like my daily vitamins were just, it was just a lot of little Ziploc baggies. Definitely not eco-friendly, but uh, it did get the job done without taking up a ton of space. Um. (laughs) And the other thing that I was just thinking of is typically what I do is I bring something like a Fitmark bag when I fly and I use that as, sometimes they'll kind of consider it just like my carry-on item. Um, it just depends how strict they are. So sometimes I'll fly with a purse or I'll fly with the, um, the fit mark, but I make sure that all of my food is a carry on. Um, so that's the other thing too. If you did want to bring an entire jar of peanut butter, you can put it into your check bag and it's fine. Um, so I don't know if I would recommend that though, cause it can get really hot and it might like melt all over the place. But a lot of the food I just bring with me that way I know it's still like pretty cold and I have access to my food at any point in time. And what they will, TSA will most likely open up your bag and like swab it just to make sure that it doesn't contain any explosive materials <laughs> or anything like that. But it's not to be like anything to be like nervous about, even though I do feel like a criminal every time I go through TSA. So I don't know <laughs> if anyone else feels that way, but I always feel like I'm doing something bad. <laughs> I always feel like that when I have like my big bags of like supplements or like sometimes I'll bring like uh, my greens like in, in Ziplocs or I'll bring like pre-workouts like if I don't have sample packs like I use the Ziploc bag method for literally everything because it just takes up no space you can make it super airtight and I always feel like I'm just like handling drugs through TSA when when I'm bringing my pre-workouts through Uh, but I've actually never had them taken away oh yeah no I haven't had anything taken away but I've had like everything and everything swabbed before Oh, yeah, they'll always take my bag yeah. and, like, actually look unless, at it. Unless you have TSA pre-check, which if you have the Capital One Venture card, you can get that TSA pre-waived. Um, so that's what I did. And I go through, and it's seriously a breeze. Like, I'll, I'll go through, and, like, they don't flag me. And I'm like, are you, are you sure? Like, <laughs> I've got food in there. Um, but the other thing you just made me think of is – Getting all the air out of your supplements, especially for a powder, it not only is it going to save room, but that also you're ensuring that it's not going to like pop and burst everywhere. Yeah. So that's really big. For sure. Um, the last thing that you made me think of, though, is when you were talking about packing fat sources. So if anyone who's listening to this has ever traveled, You'll know that it's very easy to hit your carbon fat targets if you're tracking your macros, especially fat, especially if you're being mindful of the fact that most things at restaurants are cooked in butter and oil. And unless you're asking for everything cooked dry, then you should expect to be adding, you know, extra grams of fat on pretty much everything. Now, I do ask for things cooked dry, um, but sometimes I'll still even add a couple of grams of fat to things like if I'm just not sure if it still tastes like there's like residual oil on it um, and just things are just, you know, fried, deep fried, made in oil, whatever. Um, And so when it comes to packing fats, 
I never pack fats because you just don't usually need it. And like from my experience and at least the experience of my clients, unless someone is on contest prep, which I would say like in that case, be prepared with everything that you need, including fats. But like as a lifestyle client, and if maybe you're tracking your macros or you're just tracking total calories, it's probably, you know, I wouldn't say a waste of space, but like prioritize packing the carbs and the protein first, uh, because you're most likely going to be able to fill fats with anything and everything you could find while eating out. (laughs) Yeah. I just always, I mean, cause I, I have had times where I'm really low and so I'll need something like a power crunch bar or I'll need some almonds, um, just because of how the day went. Like maybe I just wanted like a lean source for lunch or whatever it might be. So I just prefer and it makes me feel better to track or to bring everything. Yeah. So also considering the amount of space that you have in in your bag, um, I would say prioritize the carbs and the protein if you have room for the fats, and then that's awesome. Um, But definitely protein first, because that will be the hardest to come by when you're traveling. It's definitely gotten easier in the past couple of years with just like health and fitness being more prevalent around the country. And like, I've just noticed it's easier for me to, especially with just like increasing confidence in ordering things or asking for things cooked specifically a certain way. Um, just practicing that and getting more confident with it has made it easier for me to stay on track as well. But, um, yeah. And, and restaurants being more health conscious, having more nutrition information, having more lean protein sources available. I think all that stuff is coming around, but that doesn't mean that it's easy to hit your protein when you're on the go. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. So should we talk about training next? Yes. Yes. My favorite. Go for it then. (laughs) Um, Okay. So staying on track with training. Um, This is again, context dependent. It depends on the nature of the trip. It depends on what you're going to have available. So again, is it a vacation? Like, do you need a break from training? Like, is that something that has been maybe causing you extra stress? Like obviously training shouldn't make you unhappy or make your life worse, but like, do you need a break from it? Um, like, do you feel like you need a deload or, you know, is it something that you want to keep a part of your trip? Uh, you know, is it a vacation where maybe you're going to be really active? Maybe you're going to be hiking a lot, sightseeing a lot, and you, you're not going to want to have the energy to, to find a gym and train as well. Or is it more of a relaxed trip where you're sitting around a lot? You're not doing a lot of, of movement. So maybe knocking out a session first thing in the morning is something that you want to do. And so ask yourself these questions and set those proper expectations. I will say for things like longer trips, just getting into the gym a couple of times, I would always consider a win. And I don't expect any of you guys listening while on a trip to make it a priority to train every single day. Now, some people do, and that's awesome. But I think, again, it's about setting realistic expectations, especially if it's something like visiting family and maybe your family is not yet adapted to this lifestyle that you've taken up and maybe they don't understand or maybe they, you know, have other plans or agendas for you, then, you know, be malleable, be flexible with those things and make sure that you're setting the expectations properly so that you're not just completely creating a bunch of friction between you and whoever you might be staying with. Yeah. So one of the things that comes to mind is like your step goal. So I think, again, it's really important to stay super active. And so instead of, you know, spending 
I don't know, an hour to go to the gym, walk on a treadmill and come back, like suggest going on a walk with your family. So then you're getting more time with them. You're still being active. You're still getting steps in. So I know that that's something that my mom does is she is not a big gym person. She doesn't like going to the gym. And if she does, she'll just kind of get on the elliptical or she'll get on the treadmill. So I know that compromising and maybe going on like a bike ride or something, I know that she really loves biking. And so doing that, I'm still able to be active and still spend time with my family rather than me feeling like I'm like abandoning them to go to the gym and then come back and then I have to get a shower and like all this stuff. So that's something that I like to do. Yeah. My dad is kind of the same way. He can, he can walk for miles and miles and miles. Like legitimately he considers like a five mile walk, a short walk. And so I got so many goddamn steps when I visited him. It was not even funny. I didn't even have to worry about it. Half the time he was asking me to go on walks and I was like, oh my God, no, not another one. (laughs) I know. Well, you were funny because you were kind of the same way, like out here when I was like, oh, you want to go on a walk with Sadie? And you're like... I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially when we first got there, I was like, holy crap. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I got like 15,000 plus steps every single day when I was with my dad. And then we transitioned over to staying with Christina. And like, I was just wiped at that point. I was like, just like, give me a day or two and then I'll be game. (laughs) (laughs) Just need to sit down. Yeah, that was a lot. But like, in all seriousness, that's a great idea. And I think it just hits home the point that being active overall is important. I know, especially when people tell me that they're going to New York City for a trip, I'm just like, ah, you're good. You'll be walking everywhere. Um, And like, I don't really worry about that. Because ultimately, And this goes back into, I was actually having a conversation with a friend about this, this morning, and she was asking me about just what contributes to total energy expenditure and our dietary needs. And our non-exercise activity is the largest contributor aside from your basal metabolic rate. And so, you know, if you are walking around and moving a lot, like that is going to be ultimately the number one thing that protects quote in air quotes against weight gain on a trip. Even if you are eating a little bit more than you otherwise would, uh, if you stay very active, that's going to, you know, balance out that total energy surplus. And so even if you're not hitting the weights super hard or you're not hitting the weights at all, just staying active, going on walks, walking places with, you know, if you are sightseeing, hiking, that sort of thing, depending on the trip, super, super important. Now, I think if you are not going on an active sort of trip, this is where maybe finding a gym is something where it is feasible. So I know, again, personal example, when we go visit Aaron's family, Uh, the gym is just a part of it. There's not usually a lot of plans with them outside of like going to dinner or cooking dinner at home. So other than that, we really do have the day to ourselves mostly. And we kind of just, you know, go explore the area or we get our training session in and that we just find the nearest commercial gym. And at this point, like the people there actually know us because we would go down literally every weekend. So they probably considered us weekend warriors there at some point. But um, in all seriousness, like That is one example, but like, let's say you're going on a trip for the first time or it's a longer trip, uh, again, kind of in that consideration of like, are, do you have control over where you're staying? Can you choose one that's next to maybe a planet fitness or, um, just any random commercial gym that, you know, you'd be able to buy a day pass to, uh, I know that when we were in New Mexico visiting my dad, uh, I 
did train at a Planet Fitness once, and then we actually found a little specialty gym later. So I always like to, personally, I like to Google search, like, where are the cool gyms in this city? Uh, like, where can I visit? And that's actually, like, a highlight of most trips for me because I am just about the iron. Like, I am a bodybuilder. Like, ultimately, like, you're that about, for me. You're about that barbell lifestyle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, that's not everybody's priority. Um, but personally, I like to go check out those cool gyms with like the dingy atmosphere or like the old school vibe and so we found one of those so we did make that a a big part of the trip as well um but even just you know it doesn't have to be exactly on program and also when you travel and go between different gyms anyways nothing's gonna feel the same especially my trip going from sea level to like however many thousand meters in elevation uh, everything felt heavier (laughs) and so it's important to not have the expectation of I'm gonna hit my program exactly as written if you have a coach this is a good conversation to have about hey can you write me a hotel gym Uh, week of workouts or can you you know can you write me a program that I could probably do anywhere are there adaptations to this that I can do and if you don't have a coach just make the reasonable swap right like if you go to a planet fitness and there's no barbell then you know maybe instead of a back squat you do a uh, leg press or you do a split squat or you do some form of a, a lunge or a squat on the smith machine like make the reasonable substitution and just give yourself a good workout it doesn't have to be an hour and a half long It can be 45 minutes and just use the principle again of we're just trying to stay active while you're traveling. And if training is something that makes you happy and it makes you, you know, perpetuate better choices throughout the rest of the trip, then by all means, you know, find that time. And I, you look like you're about to say something, but I have one more thing to add is just make sure you're not impeding on other people's schedules with that gym time. And I think um, it's really important, especially when you're visiting others, to be respectful of that. So ultimately, a 6 a.m. workout might be what you have to do. A 5 a.m. workout might be what you have to do if that is a priority to you to train. Personally, for me, it'll always be a priority. And so if I have to wake up at the ass crack of dawn in order to get in a quick session, I absolutely will because I want to free up the rest of my day to not worry about the fact that I skipped a workout or whatever and be able to enjoy my time with others. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to say is if you heard Marissa talk about steps and neat and you're like, I don't know what neat is, we did record a podcast episode all about non-exercise activity thermogenesis. It is episode eight. So we highly recommend checking that out. The other thing I was going to say is absolutely, I love traveling and finding new gyms. It's, I feel like such a meathead for saying that, but like there was, and I just had to say this, there was a gym that I went to in Norfolk. It was the coolest gym because it was like made out of brick and there were four levels and someone was telling me it used to be like an old bread factory or something. It was so cool. It had like those big window panes, but yeah. What's um, it called? I honestly cannot remember, but I went down to the Virginia Beach area for a show for one of my friends, and we trained in between the prejudging and finals, but it was so cool. Um, but the other thing, too, is I, for me personally, I I know that, you know, wherever I'm going to go, I'm probably not going to be on my program. It's probably not going to be 100%. And I actually kind of like taking breaks to do my own thing. 
and just kind of do workouts that feel good. And again, not doing you know, an hour and a half, two hour long workouts, but just something is better than nothing. So just because you're not doing your program for a week or you're, you miss a couple workouts doesn't mean that you're going to backtrack like so much and lose all the strength and lose all your hard earned muscle. Like taking a couple days off is okay. And even if you don't want to leave your family, you can bring bands. They're, they're super lightweight, easy to travel with, and you can still get in a pretty good workout wherever you're staying without having to leave. And if you have a couple, you might be able to do them with a family member too. Um, but those make it really easy to get a workout in anywhere. Yeah. Or even like, just use your body weight. Like you, if you've ever done like tempo split squats with your body weight and high reps, like you will die. Have you ever done like, (laughs) you will die. (laughs) Have you ever tried doing like push-ups to failure for multiple sets? Have you ever tried making those tempos so that they're even harder? Have you ever tried, um, you know, just, just tons of things you can do with your body weight too, um, to make it that much harder. So like literally just search on YouTube, like body weight at home workout, and then just make it harder or easier to adapt to your own fitness level. So like, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Like if that means waking up and doing that in the backyard before spending the day with everyone, then, you know, you can make it work. Ultimately, it's just a matter of making that a priority. I did want to touch on just like, workout structure as well. So like whether you're finding a commercial gym or maybe you have a hotel gym and usually those have like a rack of dumbbells, maybe a cable machine, maybe a couple machines there. Um, Basically what you want to do in any situation where you kind of have a gym and maybe you're freestyling it and you just don't really know how to get that workout in, pick a compound movement. So if you're doing upper body or lower body or even full body, you know, pick a compound movement like a squat or a big hinge pattern or a big press or pull. So a back squat, a RDL, a chest press, a row, do those first and then, you know, fill in the gaps with accessories that complement. So you might be doing, you know, if you're doing a, a bro split where you split up by body parts, that's a lot easier to figure out. But like if you're doing a full body workout, cause like maybe you're only able to train once or twice, just hit some big movements um, and like hit those like main compounds. So a squat pattern, hinge pattern, push, pull, and maybe a, ca- a heavy carry. And that's a great workout. So like those are the five fundamental like movement patterns that you want to always include. So whether you split that up day by day or you do it all in one day, um, just try to hit all of those things and then fill in the gaps with accessories where you can. Yeah, agree. Totally. Because you're just going to get more bang for your buck out of the workout. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you don't have a lot of time, you know, 30, 45 minutes. But if you do like a timed rest, you know, five sets of 10 heavy squats. Like, yeah, you'll be wiped by the end of that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Ooh, I think one more thing on traveling. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the final option for traveling is just not training at all, but setting yourself up appropriately so that you actually probably shouldn't train. And so this is kind of a more advanced technique and I don't necessarily recommend this to beginners, but it is something that you can do under supervision of an experienced coach or if you're more experienced yourself, which is intentionally overreaching almost to the point of 
feeling overtrained, burned out, and where you need a deload, um, and doing that before you travel. So maybe that means, and I've done this before, I forget, I think it was before the New Mexico trip as well. Um, I went, I think, nine or 10 days without taking a rest day, and I just hit the gym really, really hard every single day. And again, I don't necessarily recommend it unless you know how to really auto-regulate and modulate intensity to make sure you don't get injured. But if you are able to do this, kind of just pushing it hard for more days consecutively than you should, getting yourself in a place where you are overreached, meaning you have trained beyond the point of recovery and you need actually extra time off uh, in order to get back to baseline, that is something that you can do. So depending on how long the trip is, if it's a long weekend and you just, you know, maybe you trained back to back the whole week prior, you can take those three to four days completely off and you're actually recovering from a hell of a lot of training volume. And it's probably a better idea that you don't train because of how you set that up. And so that is one option. Again, I would recommend that to the more experienced athlete who really knows how to auto-regulate and modulate things based on you know injury risk and prevention. But um, it is an option if working out either is not an option or is something that you don't really want to do on that trip. Yeah, so I, I think that we pretty much covered everything. I guess yeah. the, the only thing I would add to is sometimes if you don't want to travel with food or you don't want to worry about bringing your own food, you can order from a meal prep company and you can have meals shipped to the location that you're staying at. The only thing to kind of worry about is sometimes like with big companies like Icon Meals, they are that you can only order on certain days and you can only have items shipped during certain times. So that's the only thing I would be considerate of. Or you might look and find a local meal prep company and you can place an order and pick up meals. And then a lot of grocery stores have really great kind of like grab and go options. I know that HEB um, has really good ones. You know, you could go to like a Trader Joe's. And again, if you don't want to worry about traveling with food and you might have a car and you can pick things up kind of at the beginning of the week, then those are also really good things to consider. I don't know, like, I think it's a East Coast. I think Wawa's East Coast, right? I don't know. So I don't know if there's if there's a Wawa in the area that you're listening to this, everyone who is uh, tuned in right now, but Wawa has like actually really good like little meal prep options. And so sometimes when I'm, tra- when I'm traveling more, I try to be good about like posting things that I see at mm-hmm. like gas stations or like things like Wawa's or Sheets or, or that sort of thing. And they'll actually have, they have one meal that in particular, which is like such a bro meal. It's literally a chicken breast that's grilled with broccoli. And then there's like a cup with butter in it. And that's the whole meal. And then you flip it on the back and it reads like 10 grams of fat, you know, 10 carbs, 35 protein you don't use the butter, boom, you have a, like a no fat meal basically. And so like that kind of stuff is everywhere now, like health and fitness. Like I said, that this stuff is kind of coming around, like it's, it's more available in a lot of places. So you really just have to keep your eyes peeled for it. I know there was a point in time where like protein powder, like packets were sometimes available in some gas stations, but there's always protein bars there. Like you can find a lot of stuff. Beef jerky is a nice one when you're on the road. Uh, 
Yeah. So like not like the the Slim Jim sticks with like a ton of fat in them, but like look for the ones that are actually like beef jerky and and that have very low fat and low sugar. Those ones are pretty much pure protein. Yeah. And then if you're flying, they have those little convenience stores where you can go and pick up, you know, snacks or whatever. And then again, grocery stores, a lot of them have those like power cores, which they're protein shakes. Those are actually really good. Yeah. And oh, another one is at CVS. They have um, the premier protein shakes. You can buy them in really big packs in Costco, but they're like the square ones that don't Mm -hmm. need to be refrigerated. So anywhere you go, you can stop by a CVS or a Walgreens and you can go in the back and in the section with like you know, all the Adkins diet snacks and shit like that, they have the premier protein shakes and they're like, mm, I want to say like three fat, like six carb and like 30 protein per. And so I have clients who, when they travel, they always get a pack of those or multiple packs of those. And they'll either get those to put in a Starbucks coffee, which is a great combo, by the way, or just drink on their own when they're low on protein. So if you say don't have protein powder to pack, that's another great option that you can pick up pretty much anywhere in the country where you're at. And if you're listening internationally, I cannot speak for this. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have no idea internationally. But the other thing too is that Walmart, um, I do think that they have some they have sort those of, too. They have the Quest protein as well, those mm-hmm. little packets. So there's there are a lot again because I think fitness is becoming way more kind of like mainstream. I feel like a lot of options are more like readily available. Yeah, for sure. So you really just have to look for it. Um, if you guys have any other like questions of like specific travel questions, I know we're happy to help. You can shoot us a message on Instagram or an email or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that was a nice little like just shooting out extra ideas at the end, but I, I really don't have anything else to add. No, I think that was a really good one. And I hope that this is really helpful for you guys who are anyone who's traveling this summer and Um, yeah, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Lynn Fit and Marissa is at Marissa Roy Fitness. Thank you guys so much for listening and we hope to see you back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.